Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters, I'm Abu Abdurrahman and I'm pleased to be with you on this Al-Bayan Live episode with my dear beloved brother, Sheikh, Sheikh Nassim Abidi. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Waalaikumsalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's become our signature, hasn't it? I, I, I always think about us trying not to laugh at the beginning, but subhanAllah, something happens, and it's usually the tech man that now always it's, causes it's the the false starts, or the start before you know, or the late start, and that's why we're laughing. It's, uh, because sometimes we're on looking, yeah. or saying something, <laughs> or and then he... And then our tech man, Allah bless him, says, yeah, you're on. Yeah. And then we're... Or sometimes you know what you, mean? Yeah. But Sometimes we're, we're caught off guard. Know. Sometimes, you know, we're fixing our hats yeah. or whatever it may be. Playing with the mic. I've just gotten used to like five minutes before just trying to sit as still as possible. Still, don't say anything. <laughs> and so when we actually are on, it just, the pressure's relieved and I giggle. Happens. Alhamdulillah. Uh, we'd like to welcome all our brothers and sisters who are listening. And also we'd like to welcome all our viewers on Facebook, ASWJ Australia page, and also YouTube Al-Bayan Radio Australia. This is Why the Muslim Woman Part 3. If you'd like to catch the previous episodes, you can catch them there in the links there in, in the in the description on YouTube and also Facebook. Now, Sheikh Nassim, today you went to a janazah. Yes. Is that right? Today we went to the janazah of uh, Haji Usuluddin Matthews. Allah Allah And uh, for those that know him, like especially in the Camelton area and many people you know, from around parts of Sydney, mashallah, knew him uh, very well. Uh, he's the father of uh, Dr. Zachary Matthews, um, who's another principal of uh, Malik, Malik uh, Fahad, Fahad in Greenacre. In Greenacre. Um, Michelle Dr. Zachary Matthews has been in the community for a very long time. And many of his other brothers and sisters are also involved in the Dawah, JLYC, um, uh, his son-in-laws. Um, mashallah, he was a very, very, very much beloved man. And uh, these people, subhanAllah, they're very inspirational when they're alive. And you see the, the blessing of that inspiration after they pass away and you hope that it's a sign of a good death, you know, that they died in the best 10 days of the year. And uh, as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told Absolutely. us about the janah is also the virtue of 40 people who don't commit any shirk praying upon the janazah, they will intercede for that person on the day of judgment. So even though it's a weekday, even though it's a very bad weather, even though a lot of people, they're stuck because of their houses, there's a flooding in their area so they can't get even if they wanted to. Um, you know, the janazah, mashallah, was like a salat al-jumu'ah. Uh, it was like a Salat al-Jumma, was that CYC, right? uh, was that CYC? yeah, mashallah. This was the first one at CYC. Um, the entire Musalla was full, and then to the warehouse section, uh, you had multiple lines there. So it was like a just short of a, a, a Salat al-Jumma by a small amount. And anyone that knows CYC at Jumma time knows how packed it gets, mashallah. So you had hundreds of people there. And this is a, a great blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a, as a sign, inshallah, of a good death for Haji Usul. Uh, I myself was uh, very upset when he passed away because... Uh, even though I didn't do with him every single day, all the interactions I did have with him were were very, very, very fruitful. And I remember I'tikaf. Uh, it might have been my first i'tikaf that I done, or maybe my second at GIYC, uh very long time ago. Now, Alhamdulillah, uh, you know he was a very he's a very old uh, skinny man. Even uh, one of the brothers today he was asking he was like, was he sick? And he goes, because I remember you know over ten years ago he looked like very weak. Um, but even in that state, subhanAllah, when I came to Qiyamah Layl, I never remember him sitting. Only recently when he got like very bad, uh, rahmatullahi I seen him sitting down on a chair. But I'm talking about a long time ago where you would expect him to be sitting. He would be standing up in the night prayers, standing up in tahajjud, standing up in taraweeh, he'd be reading a lot of Quran and such a, a placid person, subhanAllah. 
but placid, not like placid, boring, you don't want to have any interaction with them. Placid as in just composed, subhanAllah. And when he gives his words, it's like he would think about the words that he says. You know, so even if he says one sentence, it sticks with you for a very long time. He actually gave me, from what I remember, my first uh, Arabic and English uh, mushaf. And that was, again, that was at JYC. And uh, because earlier on, uh, you know, you don't understand Arabic, so I used that a lot. And subhanAllah, I used to always remember him uh, gifting it to me. And uh, maybe it was one of the things that Alhamdulillah encouraged me to seek knowledge. You know, because there was the introduction to that uh, book and, you know, the Arabic and you want to learn more and it's got footnotes. Um, so maybe he has a, a good share in that as well, inshallah. And I'm not alone. Yani, brothers missing me that, that he taught, you know, he was their yeah. teacher from year one to year six. And, you know, a, lot of the, you know a, lot of, a lot of good things, subhanAllah. And you see, yani, his children, you know, you know, a righteous child that makes dua for you, one of the things that benefit you after you pass away. And you look at his children and you hope that, inshallah, ya Rab, they're from the righteous and they're from the sincere and their father has a big share in that. So it was... Uh, it was very, very, very nice uh, to see the janazah. It's always sad when someone passes away, but you always get happy when you see good signs. And we hope that, inshallah, he was from uh, from that category. And subhanAllah, I took a, a big lesson from that. Uh, this is like a sadder one. Uh, the other day, someone asked me to pray janazah on someone. And I, I wasn't able to um, because I had a class. Uh, the person who had passed away was not known to be the most righteous of people, you need to put it in a nice way, and without getting into too many details, he wasn't known to be the most righteous of people, and that person was really struggling to find someone to pray janazah on a Sunday. Now, yes, people are generally busier on Sundays with family days, but a lot more people are a lot more free on Sundays at the same time, and he was struggling to find anyone to pray janazah on this person, and you know the person got a little bit upset, and I mentioned that you know a person having a, a good janazah, this is a gift from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Yeah. This is a sign of success. This is a sign of, of good signs. And he was very upset. Like he's like, I can't get anyone to pray janazah on him. And I mentioned, I said, Yani, I tried to get him to understand that this person was never around Mashaykh or Masajid when he was alive. Why would the Mashaykh and Masajid come right after his death to pray on a person? Because he didn't have the best reputation. I said, some Mashaykh they're available, but they don't want to pray on certain types of people. You know, following what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did with certain people that died upon certain acts. That we're not making takfir on him, but. You don't get the most honorable people to pray. And I said, I guarantee you, if a person is regular at the masjid, inshallah, you're going to find multiple mashayikh and multiple people praying uh, on his janazah. And subhanAllah, when Haji Usul passed away, this is exactly what I seen. You know, today we had uh, some of the most respected mashayikh in the whole of Australia uh, praying at his janazah. And it was on a weekday, and his janazah was massive, tabarakallah. And they weren't like gangsters or, you know, evil people or corrupt people or. You know, people that work in haram jobs and have haram incomes. No, these are Allah very, very, very righteous people, and not just from the Mashaykh, but from the other people, other people that were there. The people to known to be in the Masjid every day, and those you know, yeah. father of Quran, and like there were so many people there, Allah Mabarik, where you know you'd love for for you to get out that way, and it just it reminds you of the reality of passing away, that how you want your janazah to be, how you want your death to be, how you want your hereafter to be, live accordingly. Live accordingly. I've been to Janais where, yeah, there was a lot of people there, but I guarantee you, none of them knew how to do wudu properly. There was a lot of people there. They're not the ones that you want praying on you. You know, you want these people that maybe last night he prayed Qiyam al-Layl. Maybe, you know, this morning he prayed Fajr in the Masjid. Maybe he read, you know, one juice of Quran this morning. Maybe he gave Sadaqah this morning. Maybe he's fasting today because, you know, the 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah. 
maybe he's doing whatever he can in order for him to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the person you want. So when he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, makes dua, that it's more likely to be accepted. So it's a, it's a big lesson for us to learn. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon him and, um, and bless his family with uh, patience. And uh, may Allah azza wa jal make you know, the death of the righteous an inspiration for us to want to die upon that so that we can also have that great blessing of righteous people praying on our jannah. Barakallah feek, Sheikh Nassim, for that. It is a beautiful reminder. And, and we hope that brothers like yourself and others in the community speaking about him will allow him to fall under you know, what, what you mentioned regarding the number in jannah and the janazah, that who don't, don't commit shirk in Allah. And also the other report which mentions that you are the witnesses of Allah upon this earth, that witness for people, especially after their death. So if someone were to speak good, that's a good sign, especially if it's from the believers and the opposite as well. So we ask Allah to have mercy upon him and give his, pati- uh, give his family patience Amen. at this time. Now let's get back to our main topic, Why the Muslim Woman Part 3. So we've had two discussions um, regarding this topic before. The first one was the introduction, the second one last week, and uh, today Part 3. But before we get into Part 3, coffee there, what's, what's the coffee rating today? How is it? Uh, well, firstly, it automatically gets bonus points, Allah. Because it was made through your beautiful, blessed hands. Oh, Allah. Allah. <laughs> I didn't want you to tell the listeners that, yeah. but anyway. My I had to tell it from the up. beginning so they understand why is this guy uh, so good. Secondly, it's not bad, mashallah. Uh, it's not bad. The beans are a little bit softer than I would uh, normally like. Uh, I like it like dark and like, you know, that coffee breath that is like one step down from being a smoker. That's the that's the kind of coffee I'm talking about. <laughs> so it is very nice, mashallah. And I'm happy it's like this because it suits me right now. Because I've already had my one step down from uh, having smoker's breath coffee in the morning. And this is like a, a push along. It says, Tafadl, you know, this is until nighttime, inshallah. But it is, uh, it's nice. It's smooth, mashallah. Excellent. It's soft. Now, I don't know if you know our tech man. He's not only a tech man. He's a self-proclaimed yeah. coffee expert. Look, Machines, beans, everything. So look, he's gonna he's gonna work on that, inshallah, and make sure next week. Next week, okay. The beans are gonna be have worse breath than a smoker. <laughs> he's got in the a good way, in a, with a good smell. Jazakumullah <laughs> khairah, Mr. Tech man. I'm scared one day I'm gonna slip out his name, um, but he is, mashallah, a man uh, who loves a lot of things. I, I spoke to him about my love of cinnamon, and the next thing I know, I get a photo of uh, him buying a, a cinnamon tree. And, uh, you know, because cinnamon is obviously the bark that grows on the tree. And then I think it was like maybe a couple of days later, I can't remember, but I was doing more research on it and the plant doesn't, you don't get to that stage until like two years later. So He's planning. <laughs> so he's been stuck with that tree for about a year now. And maybe, maybe three, after three years. Okay, so has, after three years. He told you about his coffee beans. No, that's co- when he's going his own oh, coffee beans. That's another story. I don't know what happened there. He's, he's going his own <laughs> coffee beans as well, subhanAllah. As long as it's not the, the animal ones, I don't know what they're called, the ones that... Oh, please, that's not going Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. very famous in certain places. Let's get back into it. Why the Muslim woman part three? Maybe a quick recap before we start part three. Uh, we give, inshallah, because we're seeing the introduction, but some of the introduction points that we already gave, uh, that number one, this is a topic not limited to Muslim women. This is a topic that affects all, all, all women, but we're talking about it from a Islamic perspective. And obviously, uh, why certain um, targeting will be towards Muslim women only. Number two, that he created us and we're his slaves. And so from an Islamic perspective, if we want to know what's right and wrong, we go back to what the religion says. Uh, number three, and this is what we mentioned last week, 
is that modern Western philosophies, lifestyles, you know, decision making and the like, it's not based on religion, science, history or logic. It's not based on these things. It's based on whims and desires. Okay, and that's uh, something very important to keep in mind when you want to talk about right and wrong. Because if you as a Muslim have Quran and Sunnah in front of you, you never put anything above that, especially things which Aslam don't make sense. And a lot of people that don't know where a lot of these ideas come from, from them to uh, know it's right or wrong. They just think, okay, the world does it today, so it must be, uh, it must be proper. Must be good, yeah. uh, today, inshallah, Azza wa Jal, we start off with the next introductory point, which is men and women are different. So we you know, get asked a lot, are men and women uh, the same? We say men and women are not the same. If a person wants to say men and women are equal, then in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, 100%, a man and a woman can be equal in the sense that you are righteous and you are righteous. You are virtuous and you are virtuous. In akramakum Allah at kakum. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, verily the most uh, honorable, the most honored from amongst you is the righteous. So yes, from that perspective, Islam doesn't say that, oh, because you're a woman, automatically you're, you know, you're like a devil, like uh, certain cultures had and certain religions had. No, you're not a devil. You're not uh, you know, a person who is um, automatically born with a disadvantage that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates you. And so you have to work your way up to redemption. That's not how it works. Men and women are equal from that perspective. They both have opportunities. They both have uh, a way of getting to paradise. They both have uh, things which are, um, are more easier for them or more obligatory for them. Or they both have you know, their rules in the sharia which makes it fair play for them. But they are not the same. And this is a very, 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 very important point that men need to understand and women need to understand because it's not just a matter of religion that we're talking about here. We're talking about a matter of life. You know, even how to be with your with your wife, okay? How to be with your husband. It's if you don't understand the fact that they're different, you're gonna have a lot of marriage issues. You know, in the workplace, in friendships, no matter what it may be, men and women are different. And again, when we talk talk about uh, religion, like we spoke about last week, religion, science, history, or logic. All of that is going to tell you, yes, men and women are different. Taib, knowing men and women are different means you need to treat them differently. If you say, are adults and kids the same? You say no. So you don't treat them the same. You know, if you tell a kid, sit there and don't move. A kid physically, it's, a, it's impossible for them to sit still for very long. It's impossible. Okay. What are the Lebanese? You the same, Dawad? I'm Dawad. Dudi. He's wormed. <laughs> And he what can't sit still. <laughs> yeah, he just wants to wiggle around uh, all the time. Okay, uh, you gotta you gotta understand that adults and children they're different, and so you treat them differently. Okay, how you would what you would get a, an adult in trouble for, you wouldn't get a child in trouble for. What is acceptable for an adult to say is not acceptable for a child to say. You know that they're different, so you treat them differently. Men and women are we the same? No. So why should they be treated the same? They shouldn't be treated the same. We're not talking about things like respect. You respect everyone and everything. Okay, you respect animals, you respect children, you respect, you know, things that don't even have life like a table. You respect, we're not talking about the basics of like respect and honor and, and treating kindly and the like, no. But we're talking about what are your expectations from them? What are your expectations? Why do you expect the same things from a woman they expect from a man? Why if, you know, the norm of a man is that he gets as far in his career as possible? Why do you expect the same from a woman? Uh, why should I force, you know, men to accept certain things regarding their spouse? That, that that they didn't uh, sign up to Why? Because they're different Like when it said uh, It's not right for you to say Or oh, why don't you say to the man um, Stay at home, look after the children Like you say to the woman well, Hold on a second Are they the same? For me to tell the man No, you stay and do what the woman does 
I should, when I think like that, I should have you know, some sort of ground that gives me the right to say, you are like her. Okay, how are you like her? Because when the woman was asked to you know, look after the kids, there's reasons for that, religious reasons, there's biological reasons, there's logical reasons, there's historic reasons, there's cultural reasons. There's a million reasons as to why we said the woman is a better caretaker of the children, the main caretaker of the children. There's a million reasons for that. Why am I going to tell the man, now you stay at home and look after the woman? Because they should be the same. You say, no, this is injustice. Okay, it's injustice. When you talk about the right thing to do, it's not that it's the same thing to do. Like now, um, the government wants to help people because people are struggling. Is it just? Is it just? Because I give the poor person 500, that I give the rich person 500 too. Do I treat them the same? No. That's not justice. You want to talk about equality? Okay, that's equality. That they got the same, they got the same. But was it the right thing to do? No. Okay, you give the person who needs a certain thing, at a certain time to be fair because it's the right thing to do when you talk about a man and a woman they're not the same so don't get the woman to want to be like the man or try and be like the man or force her to be like the man same time you don't get the man to try and be like the woman or force her to be to force him to be like the woman this is not right Sheikh Hassin, do you remember that book men are from uh, Mars and women from Venus what was that about do you, do you remember that? That, that men and women are different is that, is that what it was about the whole thing is about men and women are different it's as simple as that Men and women are different. And if you want to understand how to be with someone appropriately, you, treat, you have to understand their differences. You have to understand how to treat them at the time. Again, I'll take, go back to the child perspective, a uh, child parable. If you get a child, how do you need to treat that child? Do I treat him like a man? Like now, if I want to tell you, Sheikh Nidal, I didn't like you know, what you said. And Adi. With a child, you have to be very soft. You have to be very sensitive in how you say it. You don't want to scar them. You don't want to. You don't want to break their confidence. You know, there's a million things that you need to take into consideration. You know, you sit down with you know next to them. You get down to their level. Make you know, make uh, go on the eye level. Blah 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 blah. It's different. If I send you a message, you know, I want you to you know, encourage you to do something. I encourage you a certain way. With these kids, you know, you want to attract them colors and you know pictures and. Uh, so many things related to the event. There's a hundred things that you need to take into consideration. Why? Because they're different. When you're dealing with men and women, you have to understand that they're different. And so don't hold them to the same standard. If we give some examples of that difference, men are much more rational in their way of thinking. Women are much more emotional in their way of thinking. We, when we talk about what we expect from a female, you're expecting things that aren't part of her nature. You're expecting things that aren't part of her nature. She has to suppress her nature you know, when she wants to be, be extremely career-driven, you know, get to the top of the top. They Okay, is that the main focus of the average woman? It's not the main focus of the average woman. So why as a society do we need to force her to be like that? Yes, again, there are exceptions. We're not talking about the exceptions. We're talking average. The woman, her, her makeup, okay, is much more towards the emotional side. And she gets a lot more satisfaction out of fulfilling that emotional side, which... In, for many people, it translates to a family, you know, a, a good household, a good a marriage life, and good children. And she wants that. Now, we're taking that away from females and saying, no, that's not all right. Like we said last week, if you do that, you're stupid. You're silly. You're, you're irrational. Why would you, you know, uh, make yourself be uh, subjugated to that? No, go out and, and live like everyone else is living and be happy, even though they're not happy. Again, studies say that. So why are you expecting that? Um, when you talk about, uh, you know, why did the Sharia uh, treat men a certain way or ask men to do a certain, some things, like some fe uh, females may ask, you know, the extreme ones. 
They may ask, why do women need to wear hijab and not men? Okay. Do women get affected the same way men do? Women don't get affected the same way men do. Men were very anyway, affected visually a lot. Okay. So uh, again, whilst we're told to lower the gaze, we're told to mitigate all issues that lead to problems. So part of that is the woman covering. And someone may say, okay, it's not fair. We say, why is it not fair? Because they're, they're both not covering. Say, do women get affected the same way men do regarding them seeing a man? They don't. They're much more emotional. They're not as, they don't get affected as much visually. So if a woman now, she's seeing my neck and she, I take my sunnah cap off and I don't know if this is like first time on camera. Okay. They see, uh, and I do have, mashallah, full set of hair. I, I, didn't, I didn't get a cut up before. It's a blessing. Day. Okay. Uh, no one is affected differently now. There's yani, no female that right now is affected. Uh, oh, I hope not anyway. Sheikh. I don't know. Sheikh, yani, so before we, person, before we continue, we don't want to uh, affect, like, we don't want to um, insult or the ones who don't have hair. Ah, so yeah, if you don't have right. hair, you, you're you know, still all right. You're still, still all right. good. <laughs> you get a turkey. <laughs> You'll be fine, inshallah. The hair implants you're referring to? Yes. Yes. Everyone's doing it. Or everyone's done it. It's uh, It looks good on some, on certain people. It's each to their own, I guess. Sorry whatever, for, whatever you like. For, for interrupting <laughs> there. You're, you're finishing that point off. That no one no one gets affected differently. It's not like, oh my God, it's a big deal. Nassim, uh, you know, showed his neck and showed his hair. Or if you lift up and, you, you know, your forearms are showing. It's not a big deal. Females aren't affected in that way. Okay, females unaffected in their way. Yes, they might find, they might find someone attractive. They may say, "Mashallah, he's, you know, he's an attractive person," but there's no real any drive internally to follow up that thought. Okay, Mashallah, he's attractive. It's not like you're going to get a, a whistle out of it. Generally speaking, you're generally speaking not going to have the female come up and try and pick that person up. It's very rare, and we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about that, Inshallah. Whereas a man, okay, now how he's affected. We're not saying it's right for a man to act upon because everyone has a desire. It doesn't mean that you're allowed to act upon him. Okay, so a man, yes, he's, he's more affected by what he sees. So if he sees a female not wearing hijab, showing her neck, half her body is showing, he gets affected by that. Now, the man is more likely, we're not saying it's right, but he's more likely, it's part of his nature that he reacts to that. He'll try and do what he can to attract the female. Now, some people stupidly think that, you know, uh, catcalling, you know, or dog whistling, wolf whistling is going to attract the female. Okay, she's not going to find it very attractive, Habib al-Qalb, you know, just let you know from now. Okay, but some people, they're willing to do it. Okay, or, or scream out and yell out certain things, or approach that female, or in certain, in extreme cases, ayyadhan billah, in things that are worse than that. Okay, now, we come and we see today people arguing, men need to control themselves. You're 100% right. 100%. Men need to control themselves, and we agree with that statement a billion percent. And our Sharia told us to control ourselves. But... It also tells us to, to uh, take the means to get rid of the issue altogether. Which, for example, in this in one case is to, um, you know, for the females to cover up. So you, you're taking all the possible, you're taking a holistic approach. You're not saying women go do whatever you want and men, you're not allowed to do anything. We're not saying that. We're saying we're going to do everything that we can to minimize any possible issue arising. Okay, so Islam has that holistic approach. At the same time, Sheikh Nassim, a man does have to abide by certain dress guidelines as well. Of course, 100%. You know, a man has to make sure his aura is covered. And not only make sure his aura is covered, make sure that you're dressing appropriately. You know, a lot of people think that, okay, as long as my aura is covered, it's enough. We say, even like Libes Shuhra, you could be wearing something that causes you know, extreme attention to you. 
and this is uh, not allowed to be worn. Okay, there's a certain rules about Levi's Shura, you know, clothes of showing off. This is, we're not getting into the discussion. But so even your awra could be covered, it could still be haram. Okay, or a person doesn't dress appropriately, which could be minimally makru. Like, you know, you walk down the street without a shirt. Okay, even if your awra is covered, can it still be haram? It could, minimally, it could uh, it would be makru. Okay, in terms of if, the, if it's not customary in the society. Because again, it causes unnecessary attention. And it could go to the level of haram. So even the man needs to make sure that he's covering up his body. Now, if a woman finds a man attractive today, the woman's nature is shy. The woman's nature is shy. This whole be like the man uh, theory wants her to now cat whistle, uh, wolf whistle that bloke. It wants her to scream out things to that guy. It wants her to go out. You know, why should the woman be shy? These are concepts. Why should the woman be shy? Because it's her nature. Because it's her nature. And this argument comes in now. Is it nature? The way that we are, or is it nurture? Any uh, boys and girls born, you know, like white pieces of paper, and then we get the boys used to, you know, colors like blue and black and you know green, and the girls used to pinks and purples. What is it? Is it the nature that the guy is, you know, uh, the baby boy? He leans towards, you know, guns and cars and the like, or is it us forcing him, driving him to be like that, and say so now, and the girls, you know, with dolls and the like. Now there's the focus on, no, it's, uh, even though scientifically it's been proven that it's nature, not nurture. But now there's this big push that, no, the girl, she, if she wants to play with, you know, guns and, and cars and stuff like that, then you sort of force her to be like that. So she knows she doesn't have to play with dolls. It's a very, very, very ugly game. Okay, very, very, very ugly game. But you understand the concept of we're not the same, we're going to be treated the same, then you'll be a fine inshallah. You stuff up that concept that, no, we want to be treated the same, then you go back to the principle. I oh, you want to be treated the same. Why? Why do you want to be treated the same? Because you're the same, uh, you know, because uh, you're both humans? Okay, so everyone's, everyone has uh, respect and honor, and then, 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 then they have rights, blah, blah, blah. But until they be treated the same, no, you can't. In the household, why is the man the authority in the household? No, it's shared. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as equal authority whether it's a business it doesn't work whether it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself so it's impossible for there to be partners otherwise they would have fought for control it's impossible Allah is alone in uh, now you have a job site okay you have a manager or you have a foreman you have a supervisor there has to be one overriding you know overarching uh, leader who is that in the household you know, generally speaking it's the man they why is it the men because, you know, we're, we're people who love patriarchy and we just want the men to have everything? I mean, this is a mas'uliyah. This, uh, this is a responsibility. Who is better at leadership, better in situations, better in thinking rationally? Again, scientifically, forget what Nassim says. Don't worry about me. Is it a male or is it a female? It's a male. So, okay, Islam puts him as the head of the household. Like he's the wali over the children and the like. These things, they're not illogical. They're very, very, very easy to understand. And Muslims and non-Muslims have had this understanding for thousands of years. It's only nowadays, again, because of whims and desires, they want them to be the same. But if they're not the same, why would they be treated the same? I think it's uh, very, very, very simple, inshallah. It is. Barakallah Sheikh Sheikh Nassim. So that's, that's point number one of part number three. Uh, men and women are they're not the same. different. They're not the no, same. They're not the same. You want to say men and women are equal? Not a problem. But are they the same? No. 
And, and, and each person and each you know, the man and the woman should actually thrive and be honored in that in that uh, in that exclusivity if, if I even pronounce it right like they, they all they have exclusive things which they're good at things that they're good at and this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us in, in in many many fields like anyone who's had children and anyone who's grew up with you know a, a large household you know I know some people may get sick of this example but it's it's evident you know see how our mothers were with us and see how our fathers were see how our wives are with our kids and see how we are with our kids you know the Allahumma barik there it's, it's something else that the, the way the woman yeah. is with the children, the patience, the, you know, the the nurture that they provide. The man can never, generally speaking, can never ever come near, let alone compete. And that's compete. because they're different. 100%. That's because they're different. A woman, because so she's emotional, she can continue to provide that emotional uh, nurturing that the children need. They The kids need it. Like, you know... Alhamdulillah, I've got you know four children, and I know, mashallah, you've got a little bit more. Barakallah. Alhamdulillah. A mother, for her to be able to hold and put to sleep and play and uh, comfort and to just hold in her arms a child the whole day, of course, it's tiring on the mother, but subhanAllah, she does it and she does it with a smile on her face. Give a child to his father for 10 minutes. And again, the the husband loves the father loves his children. There's nothing more beloved in the in the father in a parent's life than his children. Get him to hold that child. He's like he struggles. He, it's not why? Because it needs a lot more emotions. And he doesn't have that. He doesn't find that. Get him to hold a shovel. <laughs> Get him to hold a shovel the entire day. And he'll do it, subhanAllah. Or a camera. Why? Camera. Because, or a camera. <laughs> Why? Because in his mind, it's rational. I need to work because I need to get paid because I need to look after my family. Get him to say, okay, look after your family by holding them. He'll struggle. He'll struggle. You know, you see it all the time. Uh, a mother will look after the household. Michelle, the household is running perfect. You know, the, the wife goes and does something for one day, you know, and they agree. And, that you know, they come back and the house is upside down. Because he just didn't know, he just got, he's got no idea what he's doing. And this is why it's a team effort. Like yeah. one is doing what they're doing and the other is doing what they're doing. And that makes the household. And then they shouldn't be belittled. And this will take us into our second point, inshallah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be belittled. Like a woman being a homemaker is not to be belittled. A woman being a, you know, a full-time housewife is not to be belittled. A, you know, a woman being a carer is not to be belittled. She is better at it. That is her field. It's just better for it. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created her. In reality, they are the, the school and university for our children in reality. We'll just go straight to the next point then. Bismillah. You know when they say women is half of society? I say... They are wrong. the society. <laughs> well, they are the society. I say, and this is not to, uh, you know, pamper the females. This is not to, you know, brownie soften points. their hearts. It's not for brownie points. This is fact. And we say, Dave, why and how? Forget them being a number of half of society. We look at them as they are the society because they're the ones that are raising the next society. Again, a mother and a father, how much of the fathering is raising goes into raising the children? I would say this is not research-based. This is, this is just, you know, from my observation, maybe like 20, 25% if you're like a really hands-on father, maybe like 25%. But in terms of the one who, mashallah, is there in the morning, there in the evening, there on weekends, there in betweens, the vast majority is done by who? It's done by the mother. The, the father just usually comes in and puts the salt and pepper on the food. But the, the main one, you know, a lot of times is the female. Now, 
she is raising whole next generation because everyone in society came from a mother. And that mother, if she's the main caretaker of that child, if the mothers are good, then the inshallah, the, the society is going to be good. But if the mother's corrupt, what's going to happen to the children? Expect corruption. The whole society. Why is it Islamically that the, the right of the child before they're even born, that you choose for them a righteous mother? That's their right before they're even born. You choose for them a righteous mother because they're the ones that are going to be raising this child. So if they raise the child to go bad, billah, you can, you know, uh, your pretty penny that child's going to be bad. Don't, get, don't gamble. Not even responsibly, just don't gamble at all. Okay? Uh, or if they're good, inshallah, then the, there's very, very, very high chances that that child also becomes and will stay good, inshallah. And so from an Islamic perspective and a worldly perspective, the mother is or females are the society. Because they're going to raise up the next next uh, generation. If you look at, uh, I, you know, I give a lot of examples of you know Sydney and maybe some of the the reasons Sydney, mashallah, is a lot more openly religious than other places that you go to. And I put it down to, uh, or one of the main main reasons is the female colleges. If you look at mashallah, the female colleges and how active they were, you know, uh, from 20, 30 years ago almost. Many of them, when they were active in the female lessons and the like. You get a righteous female. We're talking about one righteous female popping up. Okay, this one righteous female, does she accept or will she ever accept to marry a non-righteous man? That righteous female will say, "I will say single to the day I die," then marry someone who's not righteous if she's actually righteous. Okay, so she forces her husband to be righteous. That righteous female becomes a mother. Let's say she has five kids. Okay, Allahumma barik. That three, four, five, six children, maybe more, maybe less. She's going to raise them because she's righteous. She's going to raise them how? Righteous, inshallah. So from one righteous female, how many do you have now? Husband plus the children that are now righteous, inshallah. Go to a man. Let's say he's a religious guy. And alhamdulillah, we know a lot of people, alhamdulillah. Do religious guys always marry religious women? It's not the case. Because we think a little bit different. Again, we don't have that emotional connection, unfortunately. We think a lot more with uh, other things. Okay, we want to... In terms of that, we want really want our uh, our desires to be fulfilled, and because we're visually spacious, we get affected by that a little bit more. I like that visually spacious. Yeah. So the man he uh, he marries this female who, let's say, she's not righteous. So he ends up falling into you know her path of not being righteous. And when they have children, she raises them how again also not being so righteous. So you've got two examples: a man being righteous by marrying a non-righteous female and a female who's righteous she wouldn't aslam marry except a righteous male and then inshallah from that you have non-righteous children here and here righteous children if you have all of the women raising their children upright how is the next society going to be? you're going to have certain norms morals values you know modes of thinking that you're not going to find in other places this is why why the Muslim women why women in general why women in general? Because they know if if their ultimate goal is corruption, you know, you're talking about Iblis. Iblis's goal is what? It's to take people to the hellfire. That's Iblis's goal. We, a lot of people forget that. And we know, if, as Allah says in the Quran, that Iblis, the Shayatin, they have awliya. They have, you know, friends in this dunya. Allies. And a lot of these people, if you look at who their friends and their allies of, you know, Iblis and the Shayatin are, you're going to find a lot of them are in very influential positions. And they're not hiding it. You know, a lot of people in entertainment companies are like, they're not hiding how they want to corrupt children. They're not hiding what they want to ingrain in children. Okay? So when you have 
a system that wants to corrupt, what's the easiest way to do it? Corrupt everyone? Or I can focus on one group of people and that in turn will corrupt the whole uh, society. We complain about children growing up today. Lazy. They don't want to work. They have no manners. They have no respect. They have no this. They have no that. Blah, 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 blah. What changed from 20 years ago? Yeah, 100%. Children are always a little bit naughty. Children are always a little bit rebellious. We're not talking about that. We're talking about children that don't even want to be human beings. They don't want to be human beings. They don't want to act like human beings. We're talking about mental health crisis. Okay, let's look at what caused this a lot of time. What causes mental health crisis? You talk about drug and alcohol abuse. What caused this? Did they have good parents involved in their life? You look at crime rates from broken homes or if they're not broken in you know, active uh, uh, homes with active parents and homes that don't have either broken homes or parents are non-existent in the child's life and you're going to find east and west when it comes to uh, the likelihood of that child or children in that household committing crimes mental health illness you look at the ones that had good parenting from a young age and the ones that didn't and where do you think that ends up the ones who have good parenting, they are a lot more healthy uh, mentally than those that didn't have either their from broken homes or they didn't have good uh, parents. You look at those who are successful in work, successful in their sports, whatever it is, look at those who have two good parents in their lives and those who don't. Now, why do I say that? If the man is out there, wakes up in the morning, goes to work, comes out, comes tired, sits on the TV, okay, maybe there's still an opportunity possibly with the mother, more her nature. Is that the case today? A lot of the time, no. Why? Because she's she's like the man. We have to make her the same. Sorry, child. You're waking up in the morning. You can have your cocoa pops. You're going to, you know, uh, preschool. Like, as in, you're looking after, even if he's an, uh, a teenager, <laughs> not a teenager, but in, in primary school, you're going to before school care. Then, because, you know, I've got to get shoot off, to, shoot off to work. So you're sitting there by yourself or with other kids whose mother also drops them off. Then you got school. Then you come home. you got after school care. Okay, if you come home, you got a carer or you get to another, like, uh, at school, they have after-school care or whatever it may be. And then by the time mum does get home, well, sorry, there's no nutritional meal. Mum's tired. You know, put something in the in the oven or in the microwave, heat it up, eat it. And we're tired from work. We don't want to have a, a nice conversation. Oh, hi, how was your day? Good. Okay, alhamdulillah, that's nice. Here's your iPad. Here's your computer. Go in your room. Enjoy yourself. Do the same tomorrow. Day after, day after that, and day after that. What relationship does that child have? What guidance does that child have? What nurturing does that child have? Who does that child go back to for support? Now that child, when he becomes an adult and you know he has all the issues that uh, his upbringing caused him, who do we blame that on now? Who's the cause of that? Oh, we have a mental health crisis. Yeah, we do have a mental health crisis. What are things that are leading to that mental health crisis? Fix it. No one can talk about these issues because it's too politically incorrect to say. You can't say it anymore. You can't do it. It's evident that, that the, the lack of parenting it, it, is leading to you, a lot of this stuff. You guys are telling us, you guys are telling us, your experts are telling us that the crime rates, you know, they were talking about this, uh, especially, especially, especially in a lot of the black uh, crimes in America. You know, the big statistics between, you know, a father, because unfortunately there's a lot of um, pregnancies and childbirths out of wedlock. So a lot of time the father's non-existent in the child's life at all. So they were showing statistics between, uh, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was like well, like so far above, it was ridiculous. The statistics of those that don't have active fathers in their lives 
of them committing crimes and also of them going to jail. And it was like so ridiculously more than the ones that do have active, active fathers in their lives. And then again, you have uh, active father, you have active mother in the household because if you have two parents there but they're non-existent, they can't provide any, any nurturing, any guidance for the child, then what's the point? And they care, uh, they're there to just make sure the child doesn't die, inshallah. They're not there to you know, guide the child. They're there to just make sure that the child doesn't really hurt themselves. Do what you want for two hours until your parents come pick you up. That's their job. Not to, not to guide you and teach you about life and life skills and the like. So all of these children now, you know, in their teenage years, they're moving on to the workplace, inshallah. They're moving on to university. What do they know about life? We do with youth all, all the time. What do they know about life? And we, we do a lot of the good ones, alhamdulillah. And we're saying a lot of them don't have much to do with life. How about the ones that we got no idea about? Allah Musta'an. What's coming is, is very, very, very scary. It's actually very, very, very scary. Because the mother is meant to be the main caretaker of the society. And she's not there. Because we forced her out of the house. We forced her out of the house. And even the ones that are in the house, we wanted to we went on to remove their actual role as mothers. And what it means to be a mother. And how the nurturing is on your shoulders of the children. We want to remove all of that. Now, worry about yourself. Don't, oh, imagine, you know, can you ever imagine an older lady saying, I wish I didn't have kids? Can you ever imagine an older lady saying that? Muslim or Muslim? I wish I never had kids. Why? Why do you wish you never had kids? Oh, because I can't go on holidays when I want. I have to be home by a certain time. You know, they annoy me when I wake up or they wreck my body. Allahu Akbar. Yani, even those that are mothers, we're, we're wrecking them. We're corrupting them. And we're making it all about yourself. We're, one of the problems of a liberal society is how individualistic it is. It's all about you as a person. Don't worry about you as part of a broader community. And this is the Islamic uh, take on it. If you put the community and the individual, who gets the preference? The community. So there may be something beneficial to you, but if it affects the community, you're not allowed to do it. In a liberal society, it's the opposite. You Even if something harms the, com- the general rule, even if it's harmful to the community, but you, you can still do it as your individual right. No problem. And when you talk about you know, a mother and a family, they want to break, they want to kill this concept. Like kill it, get rid of it altogether. You as a mother worrying about your children? No. Forget that. Looking after your husband and your children? How disgusting. You focus on you. They should all be running to kiss your feet, which is 100% true. But where does that respect come from? Because of how much you've done for them. Allah Mustafa. I think we'll wrap it up for today. We can continue, but uh, due to time, we'll leave it for part four. What do you think? Part, you want to go to point number three for today? or We've got two points left, so we'll maybe leave them for the next one, inshallah. And that way we finish uh, the introduction. There's a lot, just so everyone knows, there's a lot more specifics we want to say. But just so people don't misunderstand, we're like, Turning it down a little bit. That's why I sometimes I'm repeating certain things, and I just hope that the points are understood. And like we always say, yani, remove emotions. Forget emotions. When you talk about these types of points, you need to remove emotions and focus on the on the facts. If a person remember last week, religion, science, history, logic. If a person is wants Islam, then look at what Islam says and look at it properly. Forget your emotions. Look at what Islam says properly about. Males, females, gender roles and the like. If um, 
you know, you don't care about Islam. You're not even a Muslim, maybe. Firstly, become Muslim. Number two, you look at it scientifically. You look at it scientifically. Say, biologically, what's the right thing to do? You're going to find, you're going to find the nature of the man is one thing. The nature of the woman is another thing. Why are you trying to get them to be the same? Historically speaking, why were men and women in certain ways across all cultures, across all religions? Because they understood the reality of the nature of a man and the nature of a woman. It was very, very, very simple. A lot of things were simple. It, what was the nature? That's what we do. Or just logic. Logically, simply, it's simple to understand what is the nature of the man, what is the nature of the woman. Why not stick to those natures and get it done properly? If you can do that, inshallah, and get your whims and desires out of it or um, you know, preconceived notions of what and how things should be, then you'll be fine, inshallah, in understanding what we're saying. I'm just trying to be as... Uh, diplomatic as possible in uh, how I say it. Barakallahu fiqh, Sheikh Nassim. We thank you for being with us today. Until next time, Barakallahu fiqhum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.